We've been talking about how the brain's wired, uh, about relationships, how men and women are different, what you're fearful of within your relationship. And uh, we've got a text message here, Dr. Thryer. Uh, let me share this with you. It's quite long. I'll do my best to um, paraphrase it accordingly and appropriately for the listener that's texted in. Um, there's saying actually what you've been talking about is exactly what happened to me I've been married to a perfect husband and dad for 23 years never a hiccup in those years I used to wake up in the morning and thank God for that bliss that was until we moved here two years ago where out of the blue I found out that he was cheating on me and that in my opinion it was for meaningless intimacy just because he'd never communicated his true desires to me after all those years And she's saying that she thinks it's about being here in Dubai, that, you know, it's too easy, that people, uh, there's lots of people that are maybe uh, being unfaithful or having affairs. Um, Needless to say, my life has turned upside down and my fear is that he will do it again. Although he's swearing that it was a stupid midlife crisis, it was a mistake, that it will never be repeated again. But now I'm questioning everything, past, present and worry about the future. You know, it's... Um, it's such a difficult story. Unfortunately, it's not the only story. There are so many others like like her in 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 Dubai and around the world as well. Um, you know, the, the problem here is that she's not just grieving for the loss of the relationship in terms of what she th- thought it was, but also the loss of you know that dependency on um, the faithfulness, the dependency on the stability. Um, feeling secure and I think that's one of the biggest issues for a lot of men and women that are um, on the other side of a of a cheating marriage uh, is that they feel insecure they say well what if it happens again they mm-hmm. lose trust not only in the person but in the relationship so it's you know it's such a difficult thing to go through and it's and unfortunately I don't have the answers as to why that happens but um, communication, that's why we, you know, the, the number one thing that we tell a lot of our couples that come in, the most important thing is communication. The most important thing is being able and, uh, and open to discuss everything about what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you want, what you don't want, you know, th- those kind of things. And communication is so important and compromise, compromise and communication. Mm. But, you know, at 23 years of marriage and feeling happy in that marriage, it also makes you realize you can never take anything for granted. Right. Or presume always things will stay the same. And interesting, you change a, a country, a place of living, whatever it may be. And, you know, he's saying, oh, I had a midlife crisis. You know, it's not to use that as an excuse. But, you know, it is interesting how uh, people, somebody said earlier, you know, I, I'm, I'm worried that one day there will be indifference. And I think there's lots of things going on here. One, the shock when you think your relationship's one thing in it, and then you're shocked to find out that they would break your trust in such a way. Very painful thing to go mm-hmm. through for uh, an individual with children s- to patch that back together and then get back on track to have a meaningful honest trustworthy relationship is is tough but it is doable it is possible yes of course it is doable it's very difficult in the beginning definitely because you have to sort of mourn that image that you had of your relationship first before you can move on but when you move on and um and this is usually the difficult part for a lot of people is that you need to let go you need to sort of move past the past and and move towards a better future 
and you said it's like a grieving process and like with all grief you have to allow yourself to move through the stages of, of course, grief of course so you don't have to rush this you can allow the time and your partner needs to respect that as well you both need to allow for each other to move through this at the with the time it needs right of course i mean your partner has to understand that you're going to need some time but at the same time you have to understand that um you can't consistently and every day blame and and yell and scream at him because then that's just going to break down the relationship more and more so you can go through the grieving grieving process and you have every right to that but at the same time you have there has to be a mutual respect that still continues mm. it's interesting how this person um you know attributes part of this to being here in in dubai or the moving here wherever you know, it could be moving anywhere in the world i guess but um it is interesting people have said this before you know we've arrived here happy and within a couple of years the relationship's broken down somebody's been unfaithful one of the person you know people have been unfaithful and somehow attribute it to the lifestyle here in the uae and i'll be interested to hear your thoughts on this on 4001 At the end of the day you can't blame a place you, right. And in fact, blame is a really difficult thing because you might need to f- go through anger and feel anger because that's part of the grieving process. But uh, at some point you have to well, hopefully forgive. And uh, I guess that's part of it when somebody has been unfaithful is you look at everything around you to say that's why it happened. But sometimes you have to look at not saying to blame yourself at all, but to look at yourself and the person you're with and re-examine the relationship. Right, of course. And, you know, a lot of the people that moved to Dubai have um, really been in their own either cities or towns or or neighborhoods um, their whole life. And so then there's this new change. So it's not necessarily about Dubai. It's also about the change. And on a daily basis, humans change. We change the way we think, we feel, we perceive, we learn new information. So to, to think that a relationship should stay the same consistently doesn't necessarily help the the relationship it ha- you have to remember that within changing years you have to change the relationship you have to revisit it and this is something that we've you know we discuss over and over again and we tell people you know like everything in your life you're evaluated like everything in your life you look into it and you say you know even at work on a yearly basis you're evaluated what have you done great this year what have you done wrong what would you need to do to improve it's the same thing for a marriage not because it's a job but because it ha- it, ha- it follows the basic the same principles and the principle is is that with change you have to adjust and so that adjustment has to come with evaluation. So discussing something like that on a yearly basis with your husband or with your wife. What are the things that went great this year? What are the things that didn't? What can we change? What do we need to do more of? What do we need to do less of? So evaluating, looking at it and, and looking on how to progress the relationship. Mm. Well, keep your messages coming in on 4001. And I wish you all the very best to that lady that has texted in. I know it's a, it's a terrible feeling and place to be for you at the moment, but it will get better and it can get better um when it comes to couples counseling dr thryer how does that normally play out if one was to go through a counseling session with a professional um well it depends on the issue of course but what we what we like to do is first we get to know each person together we didn't we never separate the the um, the individuals because we we want them to hear each other out. of course it depends on the situation depends on on what they're coming in for but um what what we like to do is have them together at all times so they can really hear each other because i can't tell you how many times when when the couple comes in together and they start talking the other person says well i didn't know that 
or you've never said that to me. And so they're finding out new things and it's important for them to hear these things. And so they can go through it together. So the process is learning about each other again, relearning. And it's about seeing, evaluating the relationship. And this is what we really like to do in therapy is evaluate the relationship. What has been going well? What hasn't been going well? What can we? What can you do to, to make it better? And what can your spouse do to make it better? And then working on it in within session so it's in a safe environment so it's contained there's no yelling and there's no screaming we we um we encourage uh different activities when they when they leave for the week so definitely doing things like um going on a date together um not necessarily um you know that they have to talk but even we actually suggest that they watch a movie um, because we like to see them have different perspectives about what they thought of the movie afterwards so it shows them that even though they've been married for 40 years they can still have different perspectives. Even though they've been married for five years, they could have the same perspective. So it's about learning about each other again and re-examining and noticing how who they were, maybe not necessarily are who they are at this point. So have you gone through something similar? Have you gone through a huge challenge with your partner in your relationship and overcome it? If you have, let us know about it this morning because it really does help to share experiences. And how did you overcome it, you and your partner? 4001 is that text number. Give us a call, 04-423-1010. And we'll have a little listen here. And uh, there's some serious notes to what I'm going to play you, but also a lot of humor as well. It's coming from Mark Gunga, who is a sought-after speaker on marriage and family in the US. He's uh, quite a funny guy as well. He's a bit of a comedian. Um, He's got his video, The Tale of Two Brains, as he explores the differences between men and women. Have a listen to this. We're going to start discussing men's brains, women's brains, and how they're very different from each other. Now, I want to start with men's brains. All right. Now, men's brains are, are very unique. Men's brains are made up of little boxes. And we have a box for everything. We've got a box for the car. We've got a box for the money. We've got a box for the job. We've got a box for you. We've got a box for the kids. We've got a box for your mother somewhere in the basement. We've got, we got, we, we got boxes everywhere. And the rule is, the boxes don't touch. When a man discusses a particular subject, we go to that particular box we pull that box out, we open the box, we discuss only what is in that box. All right? And, and, and then we close the box and put it away being very, very careful not to touch any other boxes. Now, women's brains are very, very different from men's brains. Women's brains are made up of a big ball of wire. And everything is connected to everything. The money's connected to the car, and the car's connected to your job, and your kids are connected to your mother, and everything's connected to everything. And it's like... It's like the internet superhighway. Okay? And, and it's all driven by energy that we call emotion. It's, it's, it's one of the reasons why women tend to remember everything. Because 
If you take an event and you connect it to an emotion, it burns in your memory and you can remember it forever. The same thing happens for men. It just doesn't happen very often because quite frankly, we don't care. <laughs> Women tend to care about everything. And she just loves it. <laughs> okay. Now men, we have a box in our brain that most women are not aware of. This particular box has nothing in it. We were just listening there with uh, Dr. Thrai Kanafani from the Human Relations Institute and Clinics to uh, spe- international speaker, marriage speaker and comedian Mark Gunga. Uh, your thoughts on that, Dr. Thraya? Did you agree with him? Um, it, I mean, I think for the sake of comedy, it's really funny. But at the same time, I, I think um, it's not fair to say that men don't care at all about anything. It's just that they don't care about everything. Um, that there are some things that they, they especially emotional uh, events, to them they will they will probably i think remember even more than women will because it, it becomes something very significant to them and i think that goes back to what we we're talking about in terms of the neediness you know if you're you need a hundred things it doesn't mean as much as when you need one thing versus you know if you care about a hundred things you know and caring about one thing um it's it, it's sort of the same idea that they say the research is that women will fall in love with about an average of six men before she gets married versus men fall in love with about maximum two women before oh, they get married. I've not so, heard that one before. So it's it's about um, they may they may it's not that they don't feel it's just that they feel uh, strong uh, stronger but in specific situations. Mm. Well, let's have a look at this article. Humans seem hardwired for multiple multiple romantic relationships. Now, this was an article that you picked up. Uh, it's showing new research reviewing uh, the human brain, and it's been designed to uh, to rebound from past roman- romantic relationships. So, how the human brain does that. Um, how we handle the falling in and out of love over and over again in some cases. Right. And, you know, ultimately trying to move on from a former uh, relationship is similar in some ways to um, attempt breaking a drug habit. So uh, a person might try to get that person back. And if that that fails, then the brain actually acts to correct certain emotions and behaviors and it paves the way for people to become more attracted to new relationships and form new relationships. Okay, so the the way that we do that and um, suggesting that, you know, how we recover from a relationship and move on. And now, I would always think that's going to be based on your experience in life or what you've been you know how you grew up and what you were witness to and what you've experienced in relations and that must all be part of programming your brain but they're saying that it's actually there's more to it right because it's not just environmental factors it's also genetic factors it's also the idea of what the the breakup was about it's about how you had the relationship to begin with was it a very attached relationship or was it sort of um sort of 
hands-off relationship. So it depends on how, um, well, if we were to say how addicted you were to the relationship on how you are to move past it. But our brain is actually wired to learn. It's the same thing that we learn from our previous mistakes or our previous experiences. It's the same thing for relationships. We learn to move on because we learn that this is a this was an experience and this was something that we went through and this and now we move on to something else. So people that um, you know maybe come out of a relationship, it meant something to them at the time. It's painful. You go through that breakup. You come out the other side, and then you kind of brush yourself down and and you go out there and you meet somebody else and you have a, a relationship with them. Versus the person that goes through a similar experience, but doesn't want to have another relationship and maybe takes a lot longer reaching that point what does that mean well that that is where the genetic factors come into play and we can we can synonymize that with um if you know for instance when there's a death of a loved one some people within a couple of weeks they're able to move on not forget but just move on and continue their life whereas people it takes about six seven months and that genetic factor is is most probably they're predisposed to depression and so we have certain predispositions in our in our genetics in our brains that um, either help us become more resilient and that could be from depression could be from anxiety it could be from um, learning new informations or not having the links that we need in our brain or it could be um, uh, or it could be just from our personality so we have those genetic factors that we have to keep in mind because we you can bring 10 women who go or 10 men that have gone through the exact same breakup for the exact same reason and all 10 of them will react differently well how do we explain that if we're just looking at the social factor or just the environmental factor we can't we have to also look at the genetic factor and consider that breakups always uh, also affect our brain and our brain affects how we deal with breakups interesting area isn't it well um someone's texting here saying um i'm recently divorced we had 15 years together i had 14 amazing ones and one rubbish she had 12 amazing two rubbish and one having multiple affairs she thought she told me she wasn't happy but men aren't clever enough to read innuendo it must be clear and precise she bottled it up and wouldn't communicate we went to counseling and everything but she just got addicted to being adored by others it gets to a point where enough is enough it's very sad to hear it is and you know but and and this is one thing that i see a lot about women uh when they come into the office and some men do this as well is that they expect that their partner understands them because they've been married for 10 years or they expect that their partner um knows how they feel because they've been married for 15 years that doesn't work if you want somebody to understand how you feel tell them if you want somebody to know what you're going through, tell them. Do not expect other people to figure that out. They're not mind readers. They're not, um, you know, telepathic. They need to know. They need to hear it from you. It needs so, to be clear. Of course, of course. And, and that's part of the effective communication that we always stress when it comes to a relationship. Effective communication is the most important factor in every type of relationship. And that means that you've got to be open to hearing when somebody is telling you because somebody saying afterwards but I told you and the other person going but no you didn't I never I never got that from you so how you and that's when you've got behavior changes in your partner and where you might be able to look back and say I could have seen now when they weren't happy so you've got to be open to when your partner whether it's 
you know the male or the female is saying i need you to listen to me i need you to and that's the need word coming in so again you know you have to be careful with the way you word things that you're getting your message across and you're being open and receptive to that message coming in of course because effective communication is not just about speaking it's also about listening and being open to hear the other person's side even if you don't agree with it it's about respecting it it's about validating it and it's about supporting it from both sides and as this person said, in some cases, enough is enough and wasn't, they weren't able to work through their problems and come out the other side. So I hope that, um, you know, things work out for both of you uh, separately now, it seems. But it's sad when it doesn't work out. Um, the listener that texted in before to talk about her situation with her husband who has had an affair, but they're staying together and they're working on it. And she said, we're working very hard on amending what has happened. And I'm very open-minded and calm. There was no shouting, screaming, name-calling, just tears. It's very hard, especially especially as I'm going through it all alone. But I'm positive that we will pull through. There's too much at stake to just walk away. So thank you for your advice. And one thing you said that stuck with me the most was, let go once the forgiveness takes place. So thank you again. Talking about how the brain is wired and we've been focusing mainly on relationships and how men and women can be different and how they think. Uh, We've also looked at other articles and one here that caught your attention, Dr. Tharai, which was about uh, even at rest, our brains prepare us to be social. Yeah, I mean, you know, when we're in a state of relaxation or when we're in a state of actually even dreaming, what uh, a certain study has found is that the dorsomedial prefrontal prefrontal cortex actually turns on during the dreams and rest to help us process what we've been through, as well as it prepares us to make assumptions and judgments about the social world that we get into later on. So think of it, the example that they used was sort of um, with Facebook, for instance, which is pretty much, you know, when you're not participating, you're still looking down at the timeline of your friends and you're seeing what they're doing and sort of what they're um they're going through what their pictures are, what their life is like. So what you're doing there is that you're preparing for either judgments or assessments, uh, assumptions, not necessarily in the negative sense, but just assumptions and, and um, judgments of their social world for you to create more ideas about your social world later on. So that's actually what this study has shown is that even in rest, even when we're dreaming, our brain prepares us for the social world that we're that we live in. Wow, how clever is that then? Creating uh, uh, Facebook and social media in the way that it is, in that it's a kind of aligning with uh, the way the brain works, and and but, you know, then it goes the other way where you've got people that are spending so much time mm-hmm. and so become so preoccupied about what other people are doing, or and with, even when it's not conscious, just but that's actually what they are doing is they're wanting to go to it. It's Somehow, I remember somebody saying to me recently, uh, you know, what? I don't watch TV. I like to go onto my phone at night. I've you know, got a family, married, children are in bed. My way to relax is to go onto Facebook and read what other people have been writing, maybe ping them a few messages, read the articles, and that's become their way of having their downtime or even their me time. Mm-hmm. And, and the interesting thing is, is that it's not me time. It's not. Uh, it's not introspected. It's it's really so much focused on the social world. So although this could be a good thing in some, situ- some situations, it also removes yourself from you so much of the time. So you're, you don't have that self-awareness. You're not really bringing it back to who you are and yourself rather than you're looking at everybody else. 
I'm going to switch back to the messages, Dr. Thurai, because a couple of really interesting ones have come in and we haven't got a lot of time. Um, one here, I've been divorced uh, t- 12 years, but I'm still angry and mad at my husband. I still can't believe we got divorced. My marriage t- with him, I tried so hard to keep our marriage, even though he lied to me and didn't share anything of his private life to me. And I don't know where I am still. I'm still thinking about him even, and I'm sure if, if, if he was to come back to me, if he was to ask me to forgive him, I probably wouldn't. But is it natural to think about him still? It is. I mean, do you remember the show we did, uh, Suzanne, about the um, first love? Yes. And we talked about the primacy effect and the recency effect. And so the primacy is that you always remember your first love. Well, you also always remember your last. And so in this case, it is very natural to still think about him. And obviously, there's been a lot of pain there. And But working through that pain is what's going to help you get past this and let go. Because you don't want to harbor all of that anger through the rest of your life. Because the truth of the matter is, is that unfortunately, Unfortunately, you you're no longer married and at this point if you just carry all of that anger the only person who's being affected by that anger is yourself so you really want to learn how to let go of that to deal with that work through that and move forward that's a very good point isn't it whilst uh, you know you're feeling the way you feel you might not be recognizing that you know you can be you can be kinder to yourself and have a better life. You could have a happy life. So you've got to find those ways to remove that, those, those neg- that negativity. Um, so you are the one that has pleasure again, that has happiness again. And you're right, you get stuck. And actually you are the only one that's, you know, he's perhaps not thinking about it. He's living a different life. You're the only one actually that's, the, that's feeling the way you're feeling. So finding the way to you know, unravel that and move away from it and have that freedom again and have that happiness again. Right. And one of one of the things that I hear a lot from women is that they're scared to not be angry anymore because it means that it was okay what he did. And that's completely the opposite. It's it does not mean that what he did or even what she did, if she was the one who cheated, it doesn't mean that what they did was okay. But letting go of the anger allows you to say to yourself, what they did, what they did is their business. It's their fault. And at this point, I'm going to be taking care of myself because I'm more important at this moment. And a very sensitive uh, issue here and story for this person. Um, We suffered a traumatic miscarriage earlier this year. My wife was in the hospital. I never wanted a second child but agreed to keep her happy. I don't want to try again and I want to stick to my guns. She wants another child to avoid letting our daughter become lonely. I've told her that I don't want it anymore and I I never will. And... um, and so from this, uh, where are we left? Um, I've tried to communicate how I feel. She's insisting. I know that there's a hole that she wants to fill, but that's not a good enough reason, I believe, to bring another life into this world. What do I do? I think it's important that you should talk to her and ask her, is this why she wants another child? Is this what she's you know, could be, could that be what she's trying to do is fill a void, fill the void that she feels from the miscarriage that she had. Because, you know, some, a lot of women, they sort of take that and they say it was my fault that the miscarriage happened. And so they want to make it up to the, to either the husband or to the family. And they say, no, I have to bring another child. And they put that pressure on themselves. Talk to her, 
ask her what exactly is going on and tell her and let her see your your genuine response to saying I really it has nothing to do with the miscarriage I just don't want another child this is just it was too traumatic and this is not something that we should go through again and it's a possibility because you know it could happen you never know so the important thing is to be openly uh, communicating these these kind of things together you make an interesting point that um, from every decision that we make in our life you know from I don't know what curtains to buy or what to do with the house or going to the cinema we do we never do anything unless we're both in it together and on this point we're on separate sides of the fence so it's an interesting position to be in um, and how you can negotiate the two of you and you've both got to feel all right about what the decision the final decision is of course and you know it's very important exactly what he said was that it's not a good reason to bring another life into this world just to fill a void because that that doesn't help it doesn't fill the void she may think it does but it will not fill a void just because she brought a new child because no matter what that was a loss and she has to grieve through that loss but replacing that loss is not the way to deal with it and also asking why he never wanted to second child he didn't want a second child in the first place is what he's saying Mm -hmm. Um, but he did he went along with it to keep her happy so there's something that you need to perhaps discuss as well um yeah lots of discussions and lots of care with each other of course yeah be nice and And sensitive and understanding yeah yeah we wish you the best with that situation Uh, somebody else is saying here it seems all my problems with my wife is to do with money always i'm not paying enough even though she's working um and i don't ask anything from her so interesting and often is a big area is finances and money when it comes to relationships Yes. I mean, you know, when it comes to finances, most people get into arguments because there's no agreement when they first when they first get married. And I don't mean agreement as in a prenuptial and and that kind of thing. No, but I mean an agreement as to how the money is either spent or how the money is is um, is allocated, uh, what is priority, what is not. So. I would suggest having that conversation, like sitting down and discussing, okay, what are the things that we need to discuss in terms of the financing? What are the things we need to um, restrict in terms of the financing, especially if there's overspending? So these conversations need to be had. And and money is a very sensitive issue because uh, especially if you go in with the attitude that this is my money versus your money, this becomes a bigger issue in the relationship. So really, when it comes to finances, everybody's contributing to the same pot, that has to be the mindset because if it's mine versus yours versus ours, I mean, that becomes a little bit complicated and people start to become very defensive and the idea of security there starts to get, um, it feels a little bit shaky because why do you have to have an account and I have to have an account and then we have to have an account? Is there, are you saving something for a rainy day? That's what gets a little bit, you know, complicated. And we wish you all the very best with that. And thank you so much for all your messages this morning. And a big thank you to Dr. Thuraya Kanafani, who's based at the Human Relations Institute and Clinics. And uh, the show's not over yet. Stay with me. We're going on location to the Sheraton Grand. And I'll tell you more about that in a moment. But maybe to uh, leave this part of the show in these words with you. Uh, This is a featured quote. And it says, I'm okay today. I'll be okay tomorrow. And the next day after that, I'll still be okay. But in a year, you'll see me and I'll be amazing.
It's a great way to think, isn't it? Mm. Thank you very much, Dr. Thuraya. And to connect with Dr. Thuraya and the Human Relations Institute and Clinics, then go to our website. It's all posted. All the details are there on the Dubai Today page.